Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals traveling back Yamaha YFC 450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're, We're back. back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Welcome to episode 83 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, our Ionia Pass review show presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. We come from you tonight in the wake of another wild ATV Motocross National Weekend. Not only did Aonia Pass bring us crazy racing, but it also brought us controversy, phantom disqualifications, treacherous conditions, unexpected results, and so much more to discuss. In the episode ahead, fast qualifier Brandon Hogue will join us to fill us in on that debacle. DJ Sperling, the owner of Rocket Machining and Design, will stop by to chat about Jeffrey Rastrelli's strong start to the season and how their partnership has been thus far. And to fill in all the gaps, PH3 Photos' Josh Klein and Casey Greek from Impact Solutions will help us break down all the action from Georgia. So with so much to get to, let's quickly shout out all of our incredible partners before dropping the gate on another great review episode. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, thanks to SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Nimira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymauer Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrative Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Blenzol Oil, the official oil choice of Digging Deep, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is next level. Outside the industry, sponsors are rare in our sport, so help us keep Manscaped involved with Digging Deep and involved in ATV motocross as a whole long into the future. Manscaped's signature line is the Performance Package 4.0, which includes the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer that I rely on to keep my beard on point, the best nose hair trimmer ever created, and an array of goodies like deodorant, boxer briefs, a travel bag, and more. So check out Manscaped, I wish I would have sooner, and get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. The 2022 season is here, of course, and we both know you still need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end, enabling you to help us out while purchasing the parts you need anyway. And did you know you could buy OEM parts from Rocky Mountain ATVMC as well? Yep, shipped conveniently right to your door. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs. And you can do the same thing with our Amazon widget. So same concept, simply click that Amazon logo on our homepage, purchase whatever your heart desires, and that will help us out down the road. We can't thank you enough for that. We want to shout out all of our monthly donors, Justin Branham, Rob Bumsteiger, Oliver Saya, Ed Hayden, Holly Trimble, Justin Burke, and 
99 racing. And if you are interested in donating and hearing your name on the show, you can find the Patreon or buy me a coffee donation links on our website and major thanks to all of you who have donated you guys freaking rock, especially our monthly donors. Now it's showtime. The 32nd board is up. It's sideways and the gate is down time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys, another wild weekend of racing is in the books. Aonia Pass gave us plenty to talk about. Looking forward to digging into all that went down in Georgia. We have a pair of guests here to help us break down all the craziness. First up is a man that I was worried I've been asking to sit in on too many of these shows with me, but he ensured me that he does, in fact, enjoy it. So uh, we enjoy and, and love everything that he brings to the show, of course, from Impact Solutions. It's Casey Greek. What's up, Casey? Hey, Cody. As long as the, the feedback's positive, I'm here for life, and I guarantee it. So thank you for having me once again. Yeah, of course, Casey. I, I love, like I said, I love everything you bring to the show. You insert so much knowledge here. So appreciate you being here so much. And, and we have a third member of this trio for this show tonight. He's a returning guest, a man whose perspective I really enjoy. He's a prominent photographer in 2022 ATV Motocross now from PH3 Photos. Say hello to Josh Klein. What's up, Josh? Welcome back to the show. Hey, it's good to be back. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you getting back on here with us. And uh, like I said, you're a guy who sees things a little bit differently. I think that sometimes that comes from being a little newer to the sport than Casey and I are. So uh, enjoy always having you on. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being here. So it's been a crazy season so far, thus far in 2022 ATV motocross, but this past weekend might've been the craziest yet, not necessarily on the track, but everything surrounding the weekend in Georgia was wild conditions looked picture perfect on Friday. That kind of quickly changed by Saturday morning. You guys woke up to a mess. Uh, what were you thinking when when you first saw the racetrack, when you saw the racetrack for the first time on Saturday morning, Casey, what were you thinking? Oh, I mean, we all knew it was going to rain. Unfortunately, they did rip the track Friday night. I knew we weren't going to race anytime soon. I should have went back to bed, but instead I went to work. Mm -hmm. For me, like it was like, oh, crap. Let's go. Let's start figuring out. Let's sit, change and setups. Like we're going to be in a complete heavy, very heavy slot fest today. And that's what I went after. And I just shot out of the trailer and started working and, and doing what I needed to do. But yeah, it was a mess. Um, so yeah, made some work for you, Casey. And, and for Josh, like in your role as a photographer, man, the, the, the rain and the mud, like that's the worst possible condition for your job. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's like you wake up, you hear the raindrops and it's like, okay, how long is this going to go? Like Casey said. And so you get up, you get moving in the morning and all of a sudden you look and you take a step and you sink three inches into the mud. And then all of a sudden you realize all these pictures are going to look the same. How am I going right. to distinguish, you know, which rider is which when I try and tell a story with the photos, mm -hmm. when all the riders are brown, mm -hmm. like Brown guy, covered. brown guy, brown guy. Yeah. I mean, like, other than the leader, if you get a whole shot and you got a clear track in front of you, congratulations. You're the only one on the track where we can see your, your graphics. <laughs> right. Right. I right. mean, you know, it just, you could see Joel when he got his whole shot. Hey, there's a white quad out there. How do you have a white quad with this? You know, and mm -hmm. everybody else is absolutely just plastered in mud, you know, 50 pounds of mud and soup. No, that just, it was horrible, <laughs> but you go out there, you do what you got to do. You know, Casey woke up, he had to go out and, you know, uh, he would look like Frogger going trailer to trailer, you know, getting his, his clients and customers taken care of. And mm -hmm. 
you know, I got to go out and do the same thing. I got to find where everybody's at and, you know, see what goggles they're running so I can, you know, take care of pictures. Cause that's, you know, for the first little bit, you mm-hmm. know, then they rip their goggles off after the lap because they're done with tear offs or they can't see anything. Right. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was, it's a challenge, but uh, you, you just got to kind of push through. It's funny. It's funny seeing those, uh, those photos of everybody covered and it's been this way for years, but I always read it off of the the body language and the riding style, right? Like that's how you have to tell who's who it's funny, uh, how that works. So I've always felt for photographers in, in, in conditions like that. Um, okay. So Casey, take me through, uh, what's happening at the track there in the first half of the day on Saturday, because everything kept getting pushed back and delayed. So, you know, I'm thinking like, Hey, we're going to pull the plug completely on the, the Saturday amateur program, but low and behold, uh, even, you know, it, it ended up being like lunchtime by the time quads were on the track and they still decide to put amateurs out there to go racing. And I mean, hindsight's 2020, but you know, that looked like that probably wasn't the wisest decision at that point. And honestly, even when they were making that decision, it seemed like a suspect decision to me at that point. Yeah. So this, this is where like the people I keep hearing from that love my honesty uh-huh. <laughs> that I get all the time and so you're going to get straight honesty so we went to the pro riders meeting and we were told hey we're going to put big bikes on the track for you know as many motos as we can and we're going to run at this time this time and this time we were supposed to run all 450 mini quads at the end of the day well then they put super mini on the track first yeah i was wondering what the (laughs) heck was going on there well and that i think all of us were by the time I got up there to go see what was going on, Moto 4 was there, which was 90 CVT. Okay. And I think one, the story I've been told, one of that class made one lap. Mm-hmm. And then right, right after that is when they decided to cancel all amateur. That's run WMX, which is two motos on Saturday. Mm-hmm. and pro sport which is two motos on saturday and pro which is two motos on saturday mm-hmm. and then move everything else to sunday so eventually uh josh the pros go out there for their first time qualifying session but the way that the day was going to be structured then at that point for the pros was they were going to get one time qualifying session in those two motos later in the day uh tell me what the conditions were like um, when, when those pro riders did take to the track for the first time, when they finally made it out there, you know, the track was obviously pretty treacherous. Like Casey was just saying, you know, like very few people were even making it around the track to complete their races on the, you know, the two or three motos that ran before that. So Josh, tell me what you saw when those pros took to the track for the first time. Um, it was, it was still muddy. They, they had done a little bit of prep. Um, at one point when, when the dozer went out there to push some of the water off the track, I mean, it was mud, but when the dozer pushed the mud, it literally looked like a fountain coming out with the water, like a, like a wave. And so I was like, oh boy, you know, even, even a couple of the corners, they didn't touch with the dozer, the pros were going to run. And I'm thinking they're going to get stuck. And, you know, it, it happened to a few of them and them going out there. You know, granted, they had a 450 class, I believe, that went out just before them. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong. Um, but going out there and like 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 Janusa said, you know, it's it may be you know comical and fun to the to the weekend warrior, but when you got a race machine like that and you're going out there and, and putting put you know a qualifier, he goes, it's not really that you know 
what pleasant for the riders. Mm -hmm. So them going out there and, and the conditions that they had, you know, Hey, power to them. And, you know, for being smart. And if they took three laps and just called it good and then took their gate pick from there. Um, but most of the track was, was tough for, you know, condition wise, it's, it's muddy. The whole track's mud. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you could tell, like, you could tell, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. And I knew it was going to be bad because typically like on a mud, on a mud scenario, when the track is muddy, you'll have other quads out there to, to help it come around. Right. And there wasn't much yeah. you know, riding on the track up till that point, really just enough riding had taken place at that point to like, basically cancel the amateurs you know well, so yeah so yeah there was enough of the amateurs that went out there to solidify the original plan <laughs> right. of no amateurs or why are we going to put you know the smaller quads out there to start with and now you got eight minis with blown up motors and dad's frantically trying to you know get parts to rebuild and thinking that they're going to race another race well it just basically made made a point okay we're we're done with that yeah, yeah. I th- and I, my personal opinion, because I didn't sit on all the meetings, had everything waited until, say, noon or one o'clock, I think there would have been enough time for prep. And, and you know, again, like Casey said, put the big bikes out there. You put the minis out at the end would have been a complete day of racing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's not the way things shook out. And, and the rest is history. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think I think, yeah, like obviously and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, obviously like the way things went down, I think there were just every, the whole day, like everybody was adjusting on the fly and that was, you know, kind of the powers that be were doing the same thing as well. So, uh, you'd think there wouldn't be too much to cover with time qualifying, especially in these types of conditions with, you know, conditions being so poor, but there somehow happened to be a debacle regarding, you know, fastest qualifier and the first gate pick that gets awarded to that fast qualifier. Um, so we're going to get Brandon Hogan here to fill us in a little bit on what the heck happened in that qualifier and what ensued after that. So we're going to throw it to Brandon Hogan. All right, guys, this guy has been fast so far this season. He's found new life on a new team here in 2022. Brought to you by Blenzall, the oil choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. To learn more about Blenzall's rich heritage or to shop Blenzall's full line of racing lubricants, visit Blenzall.com and follow them at Blenzall on Instagram. Your fast qualifier at Aonia Pass. Say hello to Mr. Brandon Hogue. What's up, mate? Welcome back to the show. What's up, mate? Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, man. Always happy. Always happy to have you on. So there's some confusion that we have to dig into a little bit here, but even before that, uh, before we get to qualifying any of that. So as a rider, tell me about Saturday morning, even like for me from afar, it always seems so hectic when, you know, schedules are getting moved and and times are getting changed and everything's getting pushed back. Like everybody, uh, especially riders, like everybody wants to keep a schedule, right? Like I know that you're that way. And uh, when everything gets changed, it always feels so crazy, but eventually you guys did hit the racetrack after, you know, stalling and things getting pushed back and everything like that. And uh, when you guys did hit the racetrack, it was pretty treacherous. So tell me about the morning and then obviously getting to the racetrack when you guys finally did hit that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know, I knew we had a riders meeting, which they were likely going to push things back but mm-hmm. yeah we kind of all got that squared away uh in the morning and we found out the time so yeah like the later in the day the better with the way the weather was there so we all mm-hmm. pushed for later in the day and yeah once the rain stopped you know the track slowly dried but there weren't many quads on the track so we just knew that it was going to be 
going to be a full blown motor. Uh, like I, I knew it would be big tires the whole day. So, but yeah, it was just at that point, like prepping goggles and the big tires and the mud prep and stuff. But yeah, we just, we all knew it was going to be a mutter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, especially in, like you said, I mean, the, um, the, the, the program, they were trying to have it go on like normal. They were trying to have some of the amateur racing and after a couple of races that obviously it just, just wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. Maybe that should have been the decision made from the very beginning, but, uh, yeah, there's so for you guys, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting on the, on the line, you're going to hit this racetrack. It's, it's like obviously super muddy. There's people getting pulled off left and right. Most people aren't surviving this thing. And then for you, like, there's obviously some calculating going on because you need to go out there and log a quick lap time. But at the same time, like you don't want to put your machine through too much to risk, you know, doing some damage to that thing going into the motos ahead. So uh, tell me about like that calculating a little bit because you only completed a few laps, but on the third lap, you put together a flawless one. That's the word you use to me. You put together a flawless lap. So tell me about you know, the thought going into that, how tough it was knowing like, Hey, I can't tax this machine too much right now. And then, you know, putting together that perfect lap. Tell me about that. Yeah. I was, I was asking a bunch of people on the gate, like, Hey, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to go <laughs> one lap or what? Uh, right. And I kind of actually just, I let people go. And then I, I just watch what Joel and Chad do. Like mm-hmm. they've been in the game and they're at the, they just know what to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I went out before them. Uh, like I came out behind Stanfield and I was blown away how muddy it actually was. Uh, but yeah, we all just like, I did my green flag lap or whatever you want to call it. And I, I think at that point, like Chad hadn't even moved yet or Joel or one of them hadn't even moved yet on the starting gate. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to wait a little while to see if the line can get blown in. And that's, that's like what my plan was too. So I went to the mechanics area. Like I sat there for, most of it or a good amount of it like Mm -hmm. watching you know over the riders and seeing how muddy they were and everything but yeah I really didn't know how to do it so I was just trying to ask everyone like hey dude do you mind are you gonna do one lap or what so Uh yeah that's what I did and then uh I went back out on the track on like towards the end of the qualifier I think there's only like one lap left or something so yeah that's that's what I did just to try to have at least one line in the track yeah. So, and the reason like why I'm asking this, and it almost seems weird to ask it because we've all been in plenty of mud race situations or whatever, but this, it like, it felt like it was so muddy. It wasn't like a normal mud situation. Like it felt like, like you said, you couldn't believe how muddy it was. Like, I feel like this is worse than, you know, the majority of the mud, mud situations that we've been in when you got, at least, especially when you guys went out there for that qualifier, like it feels like there was landmines out there. Like you guys had to be careful of where you, you know, where you did and didn't go because you might end up stuck right in the middle of the racetrack. Yeah. Like there were sections that were worse than others. Like some of the track was pretty good. And then all of a sudden you would come across a a turn and like, almost come to second gear like rolling speed because it was so soft so yeah I was blown away at that really really soft stuff like I watched Stanfield almost get stuck on the right before the finish line he like gave me the thumbs up and like he was almost stuck just trying to get through it and I'm like oh man Oh my gosh. That's, that's when you know it's bad. So tell me about this perfect lap. So you put together this flawless lap and uh, you were telling me before we hit record on this thing that you could just feel how good this lap was. So tell me about that. 
Yeah, right as I was pulling back on the track, Chad was in front of me, and I watched him go through the the back section, which was like doubles, and then a, a double, and then like a single. But it was a, a, the fastest part of the track we could do. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to nail that, right? Because every other place was pretty slow anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And even right when I went across the finish line, like every section before that was I came in hot, I mean, pretty hot in everything you could. And then I hit that back section and I nailed it. So I wasn't even able to do that much like in the race. So I just nailed it perfect. You know what I mean? And then uh, mm-hmm. after that, one of the ruts, I nailed it. I didn't blow, like I didn't come in too hot or anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't blow any turns. I did all the smart lines and like the finish line, right, was the muddiest part right before the finish. And I like, came in with a ton of speed and was like drifting sideways and got to the driest part there was and like went over the roller and I knew the whole lap was like it had to be up there for yeah. sure yeah so right when I crossed like I pulled off and I was expecting a good position I didn't even know what position I got but I knew there was no way like multiple guys were doing that mm-hmm. so yeah there is that that gut feeling that you get obviously when you when you cut a good lap like that so you pull off the track um didn't didn't matter what place you're in you knew it was good so you're happy with that so then tell me like what happens after that because you know i i posted about you being fast qualifier and all these things and then like i hear rumblings later on that that there was something in question so just tell me like what the hell happened after that that's all i want to know yeah well it started with when i was in the mechanics area um Kevin Bailey had said that there was an issue with my transponder. So right away we made sure, Hey, like, what do we have to do? Do we have to go to e-score? Like, you know, we'll get this fixed right now. That way we're not wasting a qualifier and we had to qualify. So, right. And we were told that we're being, uh, it's okay. We're being manually tracked. Like someone's, you know, tracking time or whatever. So I was good to go, to go do a lap, you know? So that's what I was told. Never thought anything of it. Got notified of anyone talking about the time being fake or anything like that. Okay. All I kept hearing over the intercom even was like Hogue was fastest and that yeah. was like it was all good vibes. Like that's what our plan was. We needed a good gate pick. And then I went up to the staging. We have to be up 20 minutes before. And that's when I was notified that I go from first to dead last, which like I said, I had no way to fight that. I was never aware that I was under protest or anything. So no, there was no proof. Like people had said that I'd cut the track and whatnot. There was no proof of that. I did not cut the track. Like I, you know, I even sent you in a private message. I have a GPS like of the entire lap. So yeah, um, like all the, the cutting the track is mm-hmm. all not true, you know? So yeah, it just sucks. I couldn't fight that. I feel like in that type of situation with the mud, you really need a good gate pick and, I, I feel like I deserve to fight that for sure. You know, even if the, the way that he, or the way that the transponder was manually tracked or whatever, like I said, we made sure we did everything correct before I even did a lap. So he could have, you know, someone could have said, Hey, you need to go to, and I rented the transponder. So this thing was charged. I paid for it. Like it's not my personal transponder. So yeah, I just feel like, you know, I, we did everything we, we were supposed to do so okay so there's a couple things i want to touch on here uh the first one being in in listeners on my show know this you know this that i go out of my way 
I, I don't, I'm like, I'm not into drama. That's not why I asked. I don't like try to, I mean, I'm just not about that. I'm not about, you know, the drama stuff. I'm not about, you know, drawing negative attention to anything to do with ATV motocross, nothing like that. So that's not what this is about. But when I heard that you didn't, you know, you, cause you were fast qualifier. When I heard that you didn't get first gate pick, be, you know, for being fast qualifier, I, my, I mean, man, like my blood boiled because like you said, you had a GP and you told me this later, but you had a GPS tracker on your watch, right? So you were able to like, you were able to confirm the lap Like you can literally see it. You can show it. So that's one thing. The other thing, the people that think like there's, if there's legitimately people out there that think that you cut the track, Brandon, mm. let's, let's just go over this. You could not cut the track at this racetrack. Because if you would have cut the track, you would have buried your quad and got stuck because we saw people go off the racetrack on accident and get stuck because they got off the racetrack. So no, you did not cut the track. You had proof that this lap was legit. And the fact that you didn't get notified until you were on the gate to go to the, to go to the first moto, the fact that you didn't even get a chance to, you know, to speak your piece, to say, hey, like I got all this proof. Man, like I just, that makes me so angry because, and I told you this before, you like being fast qualifier is a huge deal. This would have been the first time that that ever happened for you. Right. And, and the fact that you didn't get honored the way that you should have, because again, you were fast qualifier. They didn't steal that from you, but they did steal first gate pick from you. And that's crap. And you don't need to say another word, but it's, it's so it's, it's just like, it's almost like nothing needs to be said because it, it, it's just so wrong to me, but yeah, uh, that's, that's the only reason I'm still like, I just won't let this one go. I'll let a lot of stuff go. Like, yeah, like I'll let, trust me, a lot of stuff go, but this one, I just can't because I do feel like my results would have been different. And this is, this is what I do. Uh, you know, like this is what I do for a living. This is my whole life, mm-hmm. everything. So I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I can't let this one go and, uh, hopefully it'll never happen again for sure. But I mean, I feel like, you know, there's there, I know who I know names and I know people involved in this stuff and I definitely lost respect and it is what it is. I, I really wish I could, you know, I do want to call some people out, but you know what? Like, like you said, we don't want to bash the sport and everything. The sport's great. Mm-hmm. I love the sport. So yeah, I just hope it never, never were to happen again. And, and honestly, the biggest, I just wanted people to know, like, that's what the show is here for is to fill the gaps of, of stuff that went on behind the scenes that people don't know about, or people are wondering about or whatever. That's what I told you earlier today. Cause I'm like, Hey, we're not coming on the show to blow anybody out. Like that's as much as a person wants to do that. That's not, that's not what this show is here for there was this focus around fast qualifier though. And like whatever the hell happened there and we wanted to be able to fill people in. So that's why I wanted to touch on that. So grateful that Brandon gave, gave us a little bit of his time to talk about what happened there. Um, so ultimately Brandon, so you go from having this gigantic advantage uh, with first gate pick, obviously. And I told you this before, but probably like, probably like the most important start 
where you could have wanted first gate pick in recent memory. Um, so you go from having that gigantic advantage to having last gate pick. You probably started in a gate that hadn't been touched all day by any other quad. So I hate to make excuses, but you probably never even had a chance there. You know, you needed a, a good gate pick to, to be in the front of that start and you didn't, didn't get that opportunity. And uh, I don't know, man, like that's just, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I was super pissed off right before the gate, but I mean, like Brett was helping me uh, telling me, you know, I can still yank it. And honestly, like I, I had a, I had a, a gate to where, like, if my jump was good, I mm -hmm. could try to squeeze in front of the guys next to me and then, you know, do what I could. But I, okay. a lot of me still knew, like, man, I had to come over so far that it would take, like, a Michael Essie, you know, <laughs> guess in the gate to, like, get to the center of the track. And then, okay. so, yeah. But, I mean, it just, yeah, like, when you're so mad in that moment, I just didn't even – I don't know. I was really pissed off and I'm usually never pissed like that. So I wasn't used to, to the way I reacted and I, I should have been a lot more like calm and whatnot, but you, dude, it's so easy to say that. And then, yeah, I was just so pissed off. I couldn't even think about the race or anything like that. Well, you were so blindsided. You thought it was a joke, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so I, I can't, I can't blame you for being upset there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Like I said, I wish I would have known that, Mm -hmm. It was under protest or something, but yeah, it is what it is. And, and uh, yeah, I know like we still did pretty decent, uh, but yeah. I'm just not, I'm not happy with pretty decent at that race just mm -hmm. because I felt like it was, it was definitely, I, had, I was more capable of, of better, but yeah. Yeah. I was there for the taking. Um, yeah. I feel like that we've went over that a few times where like, that's not the the way the race was supposed to go. Like you use those words to me already talking about the weekend, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, I think that you salvaged it as best you could. So explain to people, Brandon, what racing in conditions like that, like what that's like, because advancing forward through that kind of roost while you're already covered in mud and the inevitable one line track that typically develops in a mud race, like even the best of the best struggle in those types of conditions without a good start. But you were able to race up to eighth in that first moto. And like, at least to me, like that was really impressive considering all that you had to overcome at that point. Like you were, you were in a battle before the gate even dropped. Right. And then um, to go out there and, and race forward and salvage an eighth in the opening moto, they're actually like, to me was pretty darn impressive. And it, and it helped you salvage the day overall by getting an eighth in that first moto. Yeah. Yeah. Like in races like that, it was, it was so single file that mm -hmm. I would just be behind the rider. And if there were no places noticeable that I could try to make a pass or put a wheel in, I literally just made the decision to have to wait. Like I'll have to wait and this guy's going to have to make a mistake, which actually that happened a lot. Like, you know, a rider wrecked right in front of me. A lot of people blew berms and stuff. So it was just a, a like at least that first moto for sure. It was just, trying to see if there was anything but if there wasn't literally play it out maybe give a couple revs and a turn to like scare someone or but like I had Wesley behind me and I was like man this is gonna suck for both of us because like we're not going anywhere like we were, it seriously felt like we were going super slow mm -hmm. the second moto was uh a little bit better because there were like three to four parts of the track where there was two lines so I would just stay back the entire mo or entire lap until those spots came. Mm -hmm. 
And right when those spots came, I'd pull a tear off and like make sure I'm on the dude's exhaust and like try to make a pass. Like uh, even towards the end, like me and Decker had a really good, like when I got to Decker, I had to pull my goggles off and I knew right there, like the only way I was making a pass was if I was so close to him, the rooster wasn't hitting my eyes and then, uh, you know, made the pass. But like, yeah, it's just a strategy game, which it, it's surprisingly, it is kind of still fun, but, uh, right. Yeah. The hardest parts like your helmet, like it's not even the goggles. It's your helmet is so heavy <laughs> that it flies down and then you can't see because your, your helmet's straight down. You know, it's, I mean? it's so funny. So people that have been there, you know, have, and have experienced this are going to know exactly what you're talking about. Cause it feels like you have a bucket on your head. Like the whole thing is like, you know, like it just feels like you're sunken in that thing more than normal. It's like you said, it feels so heavy. It's like, you're, you know, it's like, I don't know, like you, you're trying to hold your head higher, but that doesn't really affect it. Cause it's hanging down on, yeah. your, on your head. It's so funny. Uh, so like yeah. you said, the conditions seemed a little better for Moto2 there. Um, there was obviously some spots, you know, where there's some some uh, dual lines, some multiple lines and some corners and, and stuff. But uh, it seemed to like develop some gnarly train track ruts. And those ruts seemed to get like almost like rough kind of. So uh, it almost seemed like that second moto was kind of like a different animal than, than the first moto. Yeah, it was. And the ruts were super deep. So like we made sure my bike was pretty high ride height wise and stuff and made okay. bike changes. But yeah, it was like just super deep ruts, still one line. So we, you know, that's why the ruts got so deep and rough, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you just had to, had to play it safe most of the time. And there were a couple pretty slick lines that developed, which were cool, but yeah, it was just making sure your, your bike was tall enough to not drag through those ruts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And for you, like Moto2 was pretty, like it was semi-similar to that first Moto. Um, but this time, like you were able to race forward up all the way to fifth, race forward in both Motos up to fifth in that second Moto. So eight, five scores helped you salvage the day. You managed fifth overall. And like when the dust settled and, and obviously like knowing, didn't know all the backstory, didn't know all of the stuff that went on before the first Moto, but knew you had to race forward in both Motos um, and came from a long ways back, you know, especially in that first one, like, like, I know that you're never going to be happy with fifth overall, but man, like that had to feel like a bullet dodged almost on a, on a day where conditions were super poor and all the stuff that you were dealt, like you were dealt a pretty difficult hand. You had to come away from that feeling pretty good. Like, I know you're not going to be happy with fifth, Brandon. I get that. It could have been much worse than the way it actually ended up going. You, you salvaged a pretty solid day despite all the other crap. Yeah, I didn't know I got fifth in the second one. It felt like I was in last. So, yeah, like it, it was at least good to at least get a five. But, like, you know, after the race, I'm, I looked at all the lap times and stuff. And it's to me, it's embarrassing for sure. But, I mean, I just I'm not it, it's in my head. I know what I was capable of, like, like the, you know, sure. It's funny to say, like, oh, you can qualify first, but then you're you're way off in the races, but people don't understand. So, uh, it's like, I'm happy with the passes I made and, and, uh, like I'd rather start the season off bad and hopefully turn it around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're only, we're only what three rounds in. So I'm doing a lot better than it could be. Like I could have some pretty, pretty, a lot worse results. So we're fifth in points and like, let's just, uh, yeah, I mean, 
the rest of the tracks are pretty sick. I like them and hopefully no rain and whatnot, but yeah, I'll take the five right now. For sure. Oh dude. Okay. So three races in your fifth in points. And even that's even with that 13th at the opener, when you broke while leading, like, like, you're, I mean, think about if that wasn't in there, like you're right where, where you need to be, where you're right, where you should be right now. And honestly, like, you know, it hasn't been easy for you, but to still feel like everything is right in front of you. Like I have to feel like that's a pretty good feeling. Like, again, like it kind of similar to the race weekend on Saturday, the race day on Saturday, like you'd had to deal with a bunch of crap, but you're still ended up in good position. That's how I feel like your season has been so far. Like, man, like you've went through some stuff and you told me about some stuff. Like there's more to, I mean, you've, you've been dealing with a little bit of something. It seems like the whole season so far, yet you're fifth in point and you're right right there it's all right in front of you like you said you're three races in man like i don't know like it could be so much worse is what i'm saying yeah. like you're and, and it feels like you're on the precipice of man being a podium guy every weekend like that's what it feels like to me right now like you could go on a you could go on a run here brandon it's all right in front of you yeah that's why i, I mean i am happy with the progress i feel on the on the machine when i'm riding i seriously feel different i feel progress i feel speed progress even Good. so yeah i just hopefully the rest of this year like to me every time i think about the third place position i always think to myself that 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 place is mine and that's why it sucks that i i can't show that right now like i, I mean max has a podium jeff has a podium bryce has a podium no hoag so like you know that eats at me a little bit but like I said, I feel like I have a lot of progress inside. So yeah, I mean, let's just keep going racing and hopefully I can put it on the box. Oh, well, I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that that's coming, Brandon. You had one in the bag at, at the opener, right? So, uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it, I think, and, and again, like anybody that's watching you has watched you so far this season has seen, you know, your, your, very you're a podium guy like no doubt in my mind so uh last question for you pal um you have to be stoked to head to high point that's probably a perfect place for for the series to go at least in your book uh those conditions fit you so well it fits your riding style so perfectly you slayed it there last year you put it on the podium with three three moto scores i have a have a feeling brandon that we could um see another podium performance out of you next weekend i have to believe that you're stoked to go to high point especially you know that that's probably just a welcome sight for you after some of this stuff you went through so far to, to go somewhere that's been so good to you over the years yeah, I mean, that place has been good to me for sure. So hopefully it's good to me again, but I'm excited. I mean, uh, I feel like this bike that I'm on right now is going to do well there. Uh, like my engine package with Johnny is insane and all, you know, all the suspension stuff like should be good, man. I mean, even, uh, yeah, it's just that stuff feels like home to me, but I don't want to, I really don't want to get my hopes up and then like, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I've said this multiple times, I'd rather just let the riding talk, but we had the, you know, we had an interview last year right before High Point, I remember, and uh, it turned out good. So maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is a good thing to do right before High Point again. Right. Yeah. You probably said the exact same thing to me, Brandon, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jinx it or whatever. I'm just going to go out there and do my laps and uh, turned into a podium. So hopefully that happens again. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. Hopefully, 
I, I know I said that last year, so I'm just going to say it again. Yeah, there you go. And this this music racing team has been been awesome to you so far, huh? It's been a perfect marriage. Oh, yeah. Like each race, I'm liking it more and more. Like I hope these guys have me forever. Like these guys are awesome. I mean, oh, like I just wish, oh, man. I wish people could experience it. I, I've said that too, but like CD will come off the track and like he's in, he's so happy and we're talking about lap times and yeah. heart, you know, his heart rates and like everything I'm into, they're into. And like, yeah, man, our, our whole with the, you know, like the, the vibe, man, it's just a good vibe. Like mm-hmm. it's so happy and never talks about anything negative or money or anything. It's exactly how racing should be and how it's felt when I was younger. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really fun right now. For well, sure. I think I said that to you, right? Like it's got that amateur vibe. It's got like that, yeah. you know, up and coming vibe with those guys. And I can't imagine, like, I, I just have to imagine that that's just such an awesome environment to race out of, you know, like, I don't know, like, it's just, just like you said, it's how it used to be. I don't, or it's how it should be. It's how it's supposed to be. Like, I don't think there's any better way to say it. Yeah. And like, it's so cool. Look how good Brett's doing right now. Like, I think he was a little underrated. Like, I know when we rode at Orlando testing race bikes, like, I knew he was fast. So it's cool to see him have success. And, like, just, I mean, he's a funny guy. Like, I I really like Brett, man. Like, just some of our conversations and stuff. But, yeah, he's he's a hard worker. I'm super pumped he's having some success right now. Like, it's just, yeah, man, it's really, really cool. Hey, if there was anybody out there that was doubting the guy or like, did it like, wasn't at the, he wasn't at the top of the radar. That person was not me because he gets such good starts. He's gnarly. Like he's, you know, he can, it's like at times he can match anybody's lap time. Um, There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be, that he was going to be really solid. So awesome to see how good you guys, everybody's everybody in your crew there has done so far, but uh, pal, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I appreciate you giving us a glimpse into your, uh, race day there, the qualifying situation, the way you salvaged your day, your year so far has been awesome. So, uh, as always, I just appreciate every time that you give us some of your time here on the podcast. I appreciate it so much, Bill. Yeah. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate it, man. Thanks again, mate. Good luck in, uh, in PA, put that thing on the box. I'll try, man. Thank you. Awesome. That's Brandon Hogue right here on the digging deep ATBMX podcast brought to you by Blenzall. See you, pal. See ya. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. We used to speak of a CST takeover, but now 2022 is the year of CST supremacy. CST's Pulse MXR tires are the choice of Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Ristrelli, and Nick Janusa, meaning CST tire riders are in contention for pro-class wins and a possible podium sweep every time they hit the racetrack. CST tires are also the official tire choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, but you already knew that. I, your host Cody Jansen, helped pioneer the CSD takeover with Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears on my way to back-to-back national championships and a pro sport podium to cap off the 2021 season. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offer the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Did I mention they offer contingency payouts as well? Visit shop.csdtires to join the CSD takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many more believe and trust in CSD tires. Do you? You already know we're Team Blue Crew now more than ever here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. 
And whether it's eight time and reigning ATBMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, who with his next championship will become the winningest champion in ATV motocross history, or seven time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, who is now tied for second all time in titles one, it's clear the podium proven Yamaha YFZ450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This continued and unprecedented success for the Yamaha YFZ450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undisputable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has resulted in an ever-growing Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Best yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and stronger than ever here in 2022, meaning Yamaha riders will once again cash in on payouts and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them at Yamaha Outdoors on social media, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big-time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best-looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Weenan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV Motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time world champion top fuel drag racer Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID and their wide range of championship-winning chains. From the street to the track and everywhere in between, DID chains are designed to give you the optimal riding experience with great performance and increased chain life. Consistent to the core, pick up your box of reliability today. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Namira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Namira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, industry-leading top-end repair kits, and recently added connecting rods, visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com. Namira Technologies your one-stop shop engine component supplier. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals and cylinders, shock and suspension parts, winches, clutch kits, valves, carb kits, bearing kits, and drive chain parts, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. 
All right, guys, we're back here with Casey Greek and Josh Klein on the Digging Deep ATBMX podcast. We heard from Brandon Hogue there. I don't want to get in any deeper. I know you don't want to get into this any deeper. Um, what I will say is I, I feel for Brandon because, you know, as a competitor, like I can put myself in that situation. And, you know, the fact that he wasn't told ahead of time, like I can see how he'd be fired up. And the fact that he wasn't told ahead of time, he is able to confirm that lap time with his watch. So just the fact that it's like he didn't get to speak his piece before getting to the line, um, the referees saying, hey, like you're going to have 16th or 17th gate pick and him thinking that they're joking with him. The fact that it went down that way is, is probably what hurts me for Brandon. And like you said, I mean, he was... Like in my mind, he was he was fast qualifier, no doubt in my mind. I just I don't like the way that it was handled necessarily. And I can see why from his perspective, it's like, hey, I was I was wronged here. So I at least wanted to touch on it. I wanted to talk to Brandon, and I think I'll leave it at that. After all that, I kind of need a palate cleanser. Um, after all that. So Casey, what do you have planned for this week's impact solutions impact moment where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV Motocross? Danica Weenan and Carly Hetrick and their kids playing on the bleachers behind the podium while Joel Hedrick and Chad Wheaton on the podium doing their podium speeches. And I look out of the corner of my eye, and all I see is Carly and Danica running up and down the bleachers chasing kids. (laughs) And to me, that was like the most impactful moment of my career in this sport. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it is two cool. greatest ATV racers mm-hmm. in the world as of right now, mm-hmm. their wives and children are playing behind the podium as they're speaking on the podium for their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, impact that, moment of the week. Yeah, I agree. Like the two guys that that would rather you know would rather you know die probably than lose to the other one, right? Like that's how competitive they are. Yet uh, at the end of the day, like you think of it from Carly's perspective or Danica's perspective, like nobody understands each other's role, you know, in their husband's race program, the stuff that they go through, the sacrifices, all those things, better than the other one. You know, like, like other I'm, than those two, right? Like Carly <laughs> like and Danica, they fully know what they sacrifice. <laughs> exactly, they, like Car- they know what they sacrifice. Right, like Carly and Danica know exactly what the other one's going through, and I'm sure that that there is some connection there. So that's awesome, awesome impact moment there this week. Um, okay, so let's get into the racing. Uh, so the first moto comes, and um, you know, the thing about mud races and conditions when they're this poor after the start, like we, we have a pretty good idea on how the race is going to go from that moment forward. It's kind of a it's kind of a thing like figure out the start, get a good start, be up front, and then man, like after that, it's probably pretty predictable. But Josh, tell me what you saw. So guys were barely making it around the second corner there. Uh, they were hardly making it like up over that little hill and joining the actual race circuit. It was it was so deep. It was so muddy. Um, those had to be some of the worst conditions I've seen for racing in a long, long time. Yeah. You know, it, the whole shot, the whole shot line, we know that Aonia has got the, one of the longest hole shots around. So you get to the whole shot line. I think the whole shot really extended all the way around the first corner to the big triple that, I mean, only one person I believe recall hit it this weekend. Dane Molander hit it during practice on Friday, but nobody else was jumping it. Um, 
you get down, I, I'm going to call it the soup bowl because that's where everything, you know, ended up. And you can see in the picture of uh, Zach Decker, he ended up old, up to his knees in this mud. Um, I think to me, that was where the whole shot was, was at. And if you got in through that corner up over that hill to the tunnel, that was, that was your make or break. Um, if you, if you didn't make it clean and, and quicker on that corner, you were going to get hung up. And from there, that's where the train began. And I say train because I mean, one bike after another, you know, it's, it's a yeah. mud fest. You're getting one rider following the other as a train. Cause there's not money rooms to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, and Joel, Joel goes out, gets, gets what he needs to. And Chad said the same thing in the interview, you know, it, whole shots were key. Um, you know, the long run, you get, you get a good hole shot, you set yourself up and, and you go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was, there was some good, some good racing, even though they, a few of them got spaced out, they still battled and people poked wheels in here and there, but, uh, you know, it just kind of, kind of the way it is with a mud race and, yeah. and that track being the one lane that it ended up being. Yeah, exactly. Like that's how it goes in mud races. It's survival. Right. And, um, Joel Hetrick ripped that whole shot and you kind of knew how it was going to go. He was followed by Jeffrey Rastrelli and, and Chad Weenan. And that's exactly how they would finish. Joel had a 10 second lead after just three laps. Um, tell me what you saw from the front of the pack there in the opening moto Casey, how do you think those guys manage the conditions? Looks like, uh, the biggest hurdle might've been the lappers. Lappers might've been an issue in that first moto as it was so one lined. Say top four or five is a really stagnant moto, first moto. Joel was obviously Joel, and he just sprinted for 21 minutes or whatever the moto was. Jeffrey Jeffrey came out pissed off about Texas and felt like he deserved to be a top guy again, and that's what Jeffrey did. Chad was not himself the first moto. But I watched Bryce just suck right up on the back of Chad. He knew he couldn't make a pass. That's probably the most mature thing I've ever seen Bryce Ford do in my life. That's that's something that we've been touching on all year with Bryce so far and early in the 2022 season is how mature he's been riding. But yeah, like finishing up that thought on Chad, I mean, you have to believe that he was just trying to play it safe, right? Because like, yes, like yes, you don't absolutely. like you didn't, like didn't want to get off the line a little bit off that one main line a little bit and get stuck and then, you know, go all the way back to the back. So he was playing his cards so that he was smart. He was going to get through that moto. And if three was what it was going to be in that first moto, that was what it's going to be. And that's how we saw it play out for Chad Weenan. So uh, Bryce Ford, like you said, he rode smart. He was fourth throughout the entirety of this one. He did close up on Chad, but also like, there just wasn't really going to be moves to be made there. It was kind of, that's why it was pretty predictable from the beginning. Uh, His brother, uh, Cody Ford, he looked like he was going to finish in the top five, to be honest with you. He was running fifth there and he ended up crashing mid race while running in the top five. He dropped a few spots because of that. And then Janusa, uh, and then Janusa ended up overtaking that spot. So he put it in the top five. Does anyone else stand out to you uh, from your memory, Josh, there in the first motor? Does anybody else stand out to you with having a, a, good performance there in the first moto other than those top five like you know you're saying with with Bryce that was probably you know his his one of his more uh I guess mature. Say like, mature. Ed, yeah m- mature but you know I guess you know educated you know knowing the conditions and and even being you know a sophomore in the sport to the pro side you know that was probably his his smartest move I've seen him make um and, and wait until second motor to see where he's at. He knew he was good. 
um, and not not having the lines to to get around Chad and, and put a wheel in or, or make something happen, you know, to to take what he had. And yeah, Cody looked really good. Um, you know, I just it's unfortunate. I wanted to see him. He was very positive in the morning. He, you know, he was amped up. He said, "Let's go for a mud race at 10 a.m." In the meeting, he goes, who else is with me? And everybody kind of looked at him like he was nuts. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, let's let's go out, you know. And, you know, he's having fun and he's staying positive, you know, given the situation. Yeah, the other guy I wanted to touch on was Michael Allred. Uh, he finished sixth in that first moto. Uh, he was super impressive. He, you know, proved himself to be a mud specialist, much like Cody Ford, who, uh, like we said, was looking like he was going to finish in the top five. He ended up seventh. Um, so both of those guys were impressive. And then welcome back, Wesley Wolf. That was a pleasant surprise surprise on Friday. Casey hinted at that in the preseason, kind of knew that this might be coming. And I said this on social media, like the, the racing is better. Like the class is better with him in it. So uh, I'm just glad that he's back at the races, especially like the recovery, um, all those things I was, and I've, I said this to you, Casey on the show in the preseason, when we were talking about this subject, I was just worried like in a doom and gloom scenario that we had seen the last of Wesley Wolf in the AMA to be pro class. So I'm just Glad to see him back at the races. I think that that's awesome. The class is better with him in there. He's a guy that can dice it up at all times. He can run at the front of the pack, especially when he gets his footing underneath them. So, uh, so stoked that he was there. Uh, welcome back, Wesley Wolf. Okay, so let's move on to Moto2 then. We kind of touched on everybody there at the at the front of Moto1. So let's move on to Moto2 then. And we saw Chad Wienan, the eight-time reigning and defending back-to-back champ, finally get the start that he needed. He stops the bleeding. Uh, he leads this one wire to wire. He grabs his first Moto1 win of the season. And I believe that had to feel good for him, Josh, that had to feel good for him to stop the bleeding with the point situation and just probably felt good to win a moto. Like it's, I don't, we've never seen him not in the last decade, not get a moto win through the first, you know, six motos of the year, whatever it is at this point. So I have to believe that he was happy to go out there, grab that moto win and kind of write the ship kind of uh, set a precedence going forward for the rounds ahead, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it could have been totally different, too. Um, on the whole shot, Jeffrey Rustrelli had half a bike on Chad coming yeah. around the whole shot. He did. And it was just enough that he got loose. Joel had to check up a little bit, uh, got it straightened back out. But, you know, going it, going down that corner, um, it could it could have been totally different, too. But, you know, he, he stayed his high line and, and rolled out, got his whole shot and, and got the moto in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, that's, you know, a big, a big thing to, you know, a big, as you said, you know, stop the bleeding, but uh, a boost to, to him to, to be able to go out there and get that moto win and, you know, put himself back on the podium um, as we're used to seeing. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it was, it was a good race. Um, the guys uh, definitely went out there mm-hmm. a little more drive out of a lot of them because the conditions had improved. Yep. Um, at this point, you had WMX went out there, um, pro, the pro sport. pro sport went out there yep. and did their thing. So you had you had some lines now in the track. Um, there's no rain at this point. Um, it had it had been completely done. So you know to see more of a racy Moto Two was was nice. Um, but again, you know wire to wire, Chad Chad takes it and goes. Yeah. Um, Joel Joel does his thing and 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 Jeffrey you know, rounds out the podium for third. It, it, it was, it was good. Um, I mean, you can't, can't say it wouldn't be different had they had the full track, like, like Aonia normally is. Um, Joel, Joel had done some practice 
at the track uh, leading up to the event and the roller section. That was, that was another area that guys were questionable on, but again, the mud played the factor and it became the one line. So everybody kind of pretty much went through the same area and it, it, uh, it shook out as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the track was a little better for that second moto. Uh, we talked about that with Brandon Hold a little bit. The, the track was better. Uh, it was just, it was different though. Like there was multiple places where there was multiple lines at the same time, yep. like those train track ruts and stuff were getting rough and it was getting like, there was different hurdles than, than what we saw in that first moto. And uh, yeah, like, you know, t- touching on Chad Weenan there then like to tie that whole thing up. Uh, I posted about this last night on the digging deep social media accounts, but it was his 125th overall podium for Chad Weenan's professional career there. And man, like that's just a number that is nearly impossible to wrap your head around 125 weekends oh, yeah. where Chad Weenan stood on the podium in the pro class. That's amazing. And from one legend to the other, who is the other legend who is currently still actively racing, Joel Hetrick made it interesting interesting there in moto two, you know, as much as we talk about Chad Weenan getting that win, Joel Hetrick made it interesting in, in those conditions. That's a really impressive feat. Uh, but ultimately he goes one, two for the overall victory and extends his points lead to 21 over Chad Weenan. Uh, everyone in the Hetrick camp has to be absolutely stoked with the nearly perfect start to the season for Joel Hetrick. Like, even though he finished second there and, and I was, you know, I watched Gloop's videos and the rip it up film stuff. And you can tell like, like he knew that was, that was good there in the second moto. Like he, he came away from that moto feeling like it was almost a win for him. I mean, he, as much as, as much as Chad needed that moto win, Joel obviously came away from it feeling good because he almost made a statement, even though he finished second. And then the other thing that stands out to me about like motos like this, this is always so interesting to me that even in the mud, even in these treacherous conditions, you know, different situations that you, that you see in mud races, there are obviously guys that, you know, are a little bit better in the mud. I always felt like I was one of those guys. I was pretty good in mud conditions, but I think to me, at least it just shows how good those top two or top three or whatever, but mostly the top two are, because those are all timers that we're talking about when we're talking about Joel Hedrick and Chad Weenan for those guys to always be at the front, still at the tip of the spear, even when conditions are like that, to me, it just proves that that's why they're the best of the best. That's why they're two of the the best to ever do it. The best to ever, you know, strap on their boots, put a helmet on, like doesn't matter the conditions they go out there and do it time in and time out. That that's one of my biggest takeaways from, from this weekend in mud races in general, it's always so impressive to me. So a hot start for, for Joel Hetrick, obviously, um, there and speaking of hot starts, Jeffrey Restrelli uh, got another great start. He rode smart for fourth in that second moto uh, to clinch a uh, second podium finish of the season so far with third overall. Let's get his mechanic and right hand man in here to chat about another stellar day for Jeffrey. All right, guys, I'm stoked to talk with this next guest once again. His name has come up on a lot of recent shows, whether it be with Dana Creech. Factory Sam Rowe or his old pal turned rider Jeffrey Restrelli brought to you by Manscaped and their Weed Whacker electric nose hair trimmer. Man, do I love that thing. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using code DiggingD20 at manscaped.com. He's a friend of mine and friend of the show from Rocket Machining and Design. It's Mr. DJ Sperling. What's up, Deej? Welcome back to Digging Deep. How's it going, Cody? Good to be back on. I was uh, excited when you shot me a text and talked, wanted to talk about everything. I, uh, after hearing some of the most recent episodes, I was uh, excited to uh, talk a little bit more myself and, and get back on and talk to you again. 
Yeah, man, looking forward to it. I've been wanting to do this for a, for a while now after um, all the things that we saw transpire over the last handful of months. We were kind of just chatting about that before we hit record here. But man, I feel like so much has changed since the last time, I, I th really since the last time I talked to you, but for sure since the last time we had you on, um, I, I, I have to believe things are a lot busier nowadays for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Between obviously the business and uh, everything that we got going on with Jeffrey and Australia racing and, and, uh, and it, and it did go really fast. Like uh, from we'll, we'll lay out the entire timeline, but man, like it has picked up really fast. So the fact that we haven't talked necessarily that long ago, the amount of change and things both in my life and, and everything else, is yeah, it, it's went really fast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's obviously one of the one of the biggest you know key things I want to touch on here, because um, we know that you uh, you guys at Rocket Machining and Design teamed up with Jeffrey Australia to basically like create a team of your guys' own this season. Uh, we went through some of that when Jeffrey made his announcement right here on the show. But I was curious, and that's why I wanted to get you on because I was curious to hear from your perspective how it all came together. Like, how did you two uh, first get in contact? about a potential partnership between you guys yeah absolutely so uh jeffrey actually gave me a call one day and just said hey look i'm uh i'm starting my own program this year I, you know i don't I, uh, I haven't completely confirmed everything with phoenix yet but you know i'm i'm pretty sure that i'm going to be on my own program and uh i was just looking to you know see if you'd help me out this year and and everything else and uh i was like absolutely man you know like let me know what you're going to need and and you know, the, the normal conversation that a lot of, you know, riders I have, I have with riders and, uh, that was kind of it. And we hung up the phone. Well, uh, like a day went by and, uh, we were sitting at lunch with everyone at, in the lunchroom. And I was like, man, like, wouldn't it be cool to be like the title sponsor of like a pro rider? I mean, like what, I wonder what, like if Jeffrey would like consider that, I'm like, I wonder what it would take. And, uh, everyone kind of was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And we just kind of started thinking about it well I, I texted Jeffrey and I was like hey you know just throwing it out there like I'm don't even you know take this seriously I guess I'm more or less just kind of like you know trying to see uh mm -hmm. you know like what would it what would it take you mm -hmm. know and so uh we talked back and forth for a while and uh it, him and Nikki came up with a plan for everything and uh at the time it was still a little bit like there was a period about six months ago that rocket like people don't, like don't necessarily know that like the atv stuff side of rocket isn't our primary business mm -hmm. like it's very small portion of it and so um it wasn't necessarily a great time for rocket so when we started putting all this stuff together with jeffrey and we finally came up with a proposal that i think both sides of us were okay with it was still like a really large commitment for us and our team both you know time and financially i mean uh, we couldn't necessarily balance it. And, and finally, like my dad and I had a, a conversation about it. We were like, let's do it. I mean, we're probably never going to have this chance again. Like we'll figure it out. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying that things have gotten substantially better, but things are definitely moving in a much more positive direction at rocket. And, uh, it, it's been, it's been good. So good. finally we committed to Jeffrey and we started talking a little bit about like how this is all gonna like look and work like whether or not i'm just you know supplying in parts uh initially my biggest thing was is i wanted to select the colors okay. <laughs> of the yep. bike yeah uh 
that's really it initially. And then we kept talking more and I was like, well, what do you think about me? Like building the bike? He goes, no way, dude. Like, <laughs> are you serious? He goes, I was thinking about that the entire time, but I didn't want to ask you because I thought it might be like a little bit much and, and everything else. And I was like, well, I mean, it makes a lot more sense. Like if I can get all the parts and like, I can take that burden off from you and, and everything else, I think it'd just be a lot easier for everyone, especially with you trying to start your own gig and everything like this could be a big help for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, uh, we, we tracked down a bike in the local area, uh, and started building, uh, as quickly as we, as we could probably, uh, three to four months before the season started, which again, like we talked about is like a very, very, very short timeline to start building a bike before the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we, we managed to pull it off. Uh, so, so it, uh, things changed so quickly there. They escalated so quickly. I should say that things escalated so quickly there from, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, looking into maybe being a part of this program. What does it look like? You know, picking, picking at it a little bit to figure out, you know, what it looks like to be a title sponsor of something like this. And then all of a sudden you're building the bikes, DJ, like everything changed <laughs> almost overnight. It, it's crazy. It's spiraled yeah and that's how like everything in my life is like that like it starts out like surface level and before i like one hour later i'm in over my eyeballs you know like yeah, that's exactly how everything's worked and so yeah it, it went really fast and, and then really even going into the mechanic side of it like i don't know like i guess i wanted to mechanic for him obviously because okay. i was building it but like we didn't necessarily like have a conversation and then kind of like jeffrey kind of was assumed that I was mechanicking and okay. and I mean I did too so that's kind of off came. and then I was excited I was excited about doing it all together but of uh, course yeah it, it, again more uh, layers to the story and and how we were trying to figure out how this all works together how we work together and, mm -hmm. and how the the two programs come together and, and become one you know yeah, it's awesome. And I said this to Jeffrey, but I think it's so cool because, you know, obviously you guys go back to, to racing each other as youth riders. And then, you know, your, your dad's both kind of being fiery guys and like, you know, everybody's competitive, <laughs> yeah. but then it also was like, in my mind, it was like, well, you know, if I'm Jeffrey, like a recipe for success looks like, or is getting you and, and, you know, your dad, obviously part of the program, because both of you are people who like, just want to be around racing, just want to be part of a racing program, have so much to give to a race program. Mm -hmm. So it used to be your racing program. Now it's Jeffrey's. And in my mind, that's why, and, and I don't know what I guess my expectations were, but I knew this was going to be a good marriage because all of you, and you could tell like Jeffrey's commitment too. he's going the extra mile. He, he, I mean, he looks differently than he's ever looked before. Right. So, I mean, you could just tell yeah. he's all in on this. And I knew that you guys, your family, your crew was going to match that exact same you know, intensity or whatever the word is. Exactly. And I, I knew that that was going to be a recipe for success for all of you guys. Yeah. And I think Jeffrey, uh, I think he saw that too, right from the beginning is because like, we go back to the early 2000s, you mm -hmm. know, late nineties of like knowing each other and yeah. racing. So I think he knew what to expect out of me. I knew what to expect from him. I knew his personality. He knew my personality. You know, we, I think instantly knew that we had something good going and uh, I think that's made it an easy decision for both ends of us. 
going into it blindly with a rider that I may not know as well, definitely would not have worked out as, as well as it has. So, uh, and also it, it allowed Jeffrey to trust me um, doing this because how many pro riders would just sign up to let someone build their bike? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyone. But, but like, knowing you and I guess not everybody knows you the way I know you but knowing you I knew that those bikes were going to be meticulous when they showed up at round one right like you knew I knew they were going to be spot on so uh, there's very few people that I would want building something for me I'm sure Jeffrey feels the same way but you would be one of the people on that list you know yeah and that's you know what was funny about the entire thing and and you mentioned it is like I I have been meticulous about the way I, I do things and we've done it for so long, but you know, when you start to get this level and you're also building for someone else, uh, I even started to second guess everything that I've done over the years because I want it to be even that much better. And right. so, uh, luckily, uh, I had a good group of guys around me at the shop as well to help, uh, Blake from DBC racing helped build the bike as well. And uh, we really spent an absurd amount of time really going through this bike. And, and so far, uh, obviously, the first three rounds, you know, knock on wood, have, have been great. And uh, hopefully we can continue to carry that momentum forward. And, and we're building another bike actually right now that will uh, end up uh, racing probably uh, round six and onward. Okay. Okay. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's, that's main part of a, a pro, you know, kind of um, program is having more than one bike to race the season on. So I didn't even think about that, but so at the beginning of the season or previous pr- prior to the beginning of the season, like I, I was trying to figure out how much of an adjustment period there was going to be for this thing. Cause it's like you said, brand new team, people that have never worked together at this capacity before. Like I figured there was going to be a feeling out for period for Jeffrey, for yeah. you guys, for everybody, for figuring out the bike. I mean, it's a different combination yeah. than Jeffrey's ran and all these mm-hmm. things. And like, we really haven't seen any of that. And you kind of touched on like the bikes were getting finished up, like on their way to the track at the track at Daytona at the opener, right? Yeah. Like things came together late and man, like he just hit the, like you guys hit the ground running. It's been, it's been as, as uh, good of a start as anybody could have expected. I think. Yeah, no. And I think you're exactly right. Like uh, when we were starting the entire program, you know, I didn't know what parts we were running per se. I didn't know like what I could suggest, you know, that we run for parts because there's a lot of companies that, you know, I've gained great relationships with now um, that I have connections with and and speak with people on, you know, regularly. So it's like, well, I have, you know, do you want to run this part? Nope. I'm sponsored by this guy. Do you want to, you know, and so that kind of went back and forth, but you know, Luckily, you know, Jeffrey did it right from the standpoint is he picked companies that he's worked with in the past and he knows very well, like Jody, uh, Jody and Mark, you know, like those are two guys that he has a great relationship with. So he really tried to set himself up for success by sticking with what he knows and not necessarily venturing out. So I applaud Jeffrey for choosing that, Um, you know, like if if it was my program, I, I mean, ultimately I like to sit here and say that I would do something, you know, maybe like 100%, like a little bit differently, but actually when I look at it, I don't think I would do it any differently than what Jeffrey did. I think he did a great job. Uh, and, and obviously the results show, I don't want to take any credit away from what Jeffrey mm-hmm. has done. You know, we're, mm-hmm. 
uh, a large part of it, but we're also a very small part of, of his program. So uh, a lot of uh, the success is due to his choice and, and obviously trust in us, you know. For sure. So uh, what I do want to comment on there is, you know, he, he, he came on here and he talked about, you know, like it was a good feeling for him or it was empowering for him to be able to choose the people he wanted to choose because he hasn't been able to do that in a long time. He's ridden for teams. He's ridden for, you know, multiple different kind of organizations or groups at this point. So he was excited to pick the stuff that he wanted to to run. And I think, again, like we've, I think I've used the word empowered or whatever um, when it comes to Jeffrey, you know, 25 times as this season has, you know, led up to this season and then the season has began but I think you can see that in his riding like he's riding for people that he you know wants to be associated with wants to uh, get on the podium for wants to win for and I think you can almost see that in his riding and like I said before like to be honest with you I'm sure that like the expectations for all of you were very high like obviously you had high expectations or you wouldn't be doing this but I don't think I don't think things could have went any better than they have so far two podiums top five at the other one, tough conditions at two of the three. So it obviously wasn't easy for anybody. Um, what an incredible start. It's just, it has to almost justify like this decision for you. Cause if you would have been three races in and, you know, stuff's breaking or whatever, I mean, whatever in a, in another universe things were happening. Um, but you know, I'm sure you could, you know, human nature would be to question it a little bit, but yeah. obviously that hasn't been the case. It's been, it's been as successful, I think, as you guys could have imagined this way through. And, and like you said, I mean, obviously credit to Jeffrey, obviously he's the one doing the riding and stuff, but if he was on a bike that that wasn't up to snuff, it wasn't going to survive two of the no. three rounds so far. So credit to you guys too. No. no, and I think just to touch on your point to like the expectations going into the season, um, I think that was the discussion that we had as a team before we even committed to Jeffrey was like, do we want Jeffrey to win? Like, absolutely. Like nobody goes to the races with any expectation other than to win and, mm -hmm. and be competitive. But like ultimately – I think my dad and I's largest conversation was, is we wanted Jeffrey to have fun with it and be who he used to be uh, when he entered the pro class. Um, mm -hmm. So our expectation was to have fun. I, I don't think Jeffrey was having fun there for many seasons. I think he was getting down on himself, obviously had some health conditions that were holding him back for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I really stressed that to Jeffrey when we started, like, I said, look, dude, I'm here to help you have fun. I said, if we have fun, the results are going to be there yep. and we're going to do exactly what we've done the last three rounds and, and we're going to continue to do. And uh, we have a blast. We, I, we look at each other and I laugh and we, we, we talk crap to each other and, and, uh -huh. and it's fun. And so I really think that's what he's doing this season and I hope it continues. I think that's so important. That's something that I've said so many times on these shows. It's one of the things I'm most prideful of in the kind of the messages that we preach about is if you can have fun, the results will, you know, will fall into place too. Those will come to in kind of like you're touching on, like even in the pro class, even at the, the tip of the spear, the peak of this sport, I think that still remains true. And yes, like Jeffrey dealt with tons of hardships and injuries and sickness and all these things where he wasn't having fun. And now to see it come, you know, full circle, do a 180 where he's being successful. He's as successful, you know, at the beginning of the season as he's ever been so far this season. Um, he's riding awesome. He's happy to be there. Just like creating, like, 
I guess credit to you for knowing that that's what he needed and wanting that for everybody and then bringing that to him. Like, I mean, we preached about that on all of these shows. Like, it's just awesome to see Jeffrey happy again and at the races and to from the top down to have somebody yeah. know that like, this is what we need to do for Jeffrey. This is the most important thing. Like, obviously I think that that's the biggest um, reason why we're seeing you know, all this success so far this season for, for Jeffrey. I really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, we're going to continue to to keep the same mindset moving forward. And, uh, you know, his expectations are, are, you know, he wants to win. And uh, I know he was down on himself about Texas a little bit and, and everything, but for myself, I knew like where he wanted to be was well within reach. There was just a few things that we, you know, that happened going into that race that definitely set him back a little bit at Texas. And uh, he, he, he made adjustments because it's his program. He owns it, you know, and, and you saw the results come at Ionia. I mean, Mm -hmm. couldn't have asked for a better weekend. And the same thing that we, you know, we came out of that Texas race saying like, Hey, there's no shame in fifth. Like you're, you're watching these dudes every weekend now, like you're on the side of the track watching them. And the class is so gnarly. Like if a bad weekend is fifth, I mean, if a bad weekend is fifth, you're going to end up finishing top three in points. That's just, that's the reality of it. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's something that Jeffrey doesn't necessarily want to hear from me Mm -hmm. is like, my expectations, you know, or, or not even my expectations, but my thought is, is like, look, let's get into the top five better. We're going to be in, we're going to be in the top three. You know, I mean, we've already seen, uh, you know, Brandon and Max, you know, have off weekends. Um, and as long as we can continue to, to evade those and, and put together solid weekends, it's going to be, we're going to be in the hunt at the end and we're going to be right where we, we want to be and where Jeffrey expects to be. So uh, he might be a little bit harder on himself than I am, but you know, I'm looking at the long picture. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the competitive uh, competitor in him. If he wasn't thinking that way, uh, there'd probably be something wrong with him. So oh um, yeah, obviously, obviously a great partnership so far. Let's talk about you for a second. So how cool is it for you to be back at the races? Because, you know, we've touched on this before we uh, other times that we've had you on the show here, but you chased the ATB nationals for many years as a youth rider, and then a little bit more as an amateur later on. So I assume it's pretty special for you to be back at the races personally even though it's in a different role nowadays absolutely no it is it is very cool i mean take aside you know being the mechanic and and everything like put all that aside Mm -hmm. and it is uh i I don't know i feel like kid again to some extent being there like Mm -hmm. seeing everyone and you know driving by on the 90 giving people knucks and you know everything else like being back around my friends uh yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for anything more. That environment uh, that the Nationals brings is, you don't get it anywhere else. I mean, anyone that listens to, to, to Digging Deep, they already know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's, it's something special. And, and so to be back is awesome. People have asked me if I'm going to come back and race again. And it's like, I can barely like <laughs> think right now, let alone come back and race. So uh been a wild ride this year Mm -hmm. yeah it's just awesome uh i i i know exactly what you're kind of describing obviously and like you said so many people do but it's just it you'll never 
find that place that's like those races and how, you know, everybody there in the pits seems like, you know, family and just that, mm-hmm. that camaraderie, all your friends being there, like, Uh, again, I don't have to, like you said, I don't have to describe it. You don't have to describe it. Everybody knows that feeling, but it's awesome for you to be back at the races. Um, Okay. So, so let's touch on your crew chief, your mechanic role that you have now. So uh, we know how treacherous the conditions were on Saturday. We heard a little bit about riding in it from Brandon Hogue, but for you, as, as like you said, as the crew chief, as the the mechanic, man, it makes a ton of work for you guys when the the conditions are like that. I think uh, the way it was on Saturday is about as bad as it could be yeah. when you're when you're yeah. the mechanic yeah i think going into the weekend we knew the rain was coming and uh-huh. like again jeffrey definitely you know prescribes how the weekend's gonna go and i and i knew the rain was coming so uh right. friday i kind of wanted to like put the bigs on already and like start getting ready he's like nope we're gonna hold off and it's like as a mechanic i'm going <laughs> got enough time as it is in the in the day let alone like let's wait till tomorrow right so we did we waited till the next day luckily everything got pushed back and you know obviously i'm up well before everyone's up and i got the bikes out and you know we knew what was coming mm-hmm. um but in terms of like prepping the bike you know getting the duct tape out getting we we swap radiators we put the big tires on um you know all those little things and just start prepping it well at, even then you go into between motos and qualifying after the first qualifying or was it the yeah first qualifying mm-hmm. we, qualifying. we you know yep. yeah yeah the only qualifying uh pressure washing the bike you know like uh big jeff and i had we had two pressure washers on okay. this thing to to try and get it done in time i mean right. like I, I turned to big jeff and i was like like this almost feels illegal that we got two pressure washers. Like everyone's over there with one pressure washer. Like it still took us a good hour to get that bike clean. And I wouldn't even say it was clean. It was like, yeah. you know, just manageable. Well, and, uh, and, and I'm DJ, I'll stop you just for one second. Cause I was thinking to myself as I was, you know, cause we're, you know, we're doing the fantasy game stuff and, and all of this, you know, coverage and whatever. And I'm thinking like, man, by the time that these guys wash these bikes, it's going to be time to go racing. So it's so funny you say that because there wasn't much more than an hour or an hour and a half by the time you guys got off the track till the time you guys yeah. had to be up there for staging. So that's a good point. So we were, uh, we, we had a meeting at 945 at Jody's trailer and, uh, we decided we were going to go at, uh, one, three and five 30. Yep. Uh, that was, uh, from what I remember. And, uh, right. Well, but then, but then the guys didn't all, didn't really hit the track until almost one thirty. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's my point. So they, the amateurs, they decided the amateurs were going to start racing at noon mm-hmm. and the first, uh, which like, <laughs> Okay, the first class was super mini, which whoever's decision that was, I, that I don't know. I, I like I don't even want to say anything back because uh, it was just dumb. So right. it took them. That class was the only class that went before us, and we didn't hit the gate till one thirty because every single one of those bikes, not one finished, Cody, not oh one bike gosh. finished. So they spent almost you know 30, 40 minutes pulling bikes off and trying to make it better, and so but they didn't change the interval. So all, right, all guys, of us were sitting uh, up there. All right, guys, rack them up. Let's get out there. <laughs> yeah. So we're there at one, you know, one twenty, getting onto the track almost 20 minutes later, which to everyone who's running the show, like, oh, that's okay. You know, riders like, oh, that sucks, but it's okay. And the mechanics, Mark Baldwin and I were looking at each other like, no, like 
the interval is going to get pushed back, right? Like we're going to start at three thirty, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Three o'clock, they or you know two forty, they blew the ten minute horn. That, and uh, even from we afar, even from afar, DJ, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, man, like okay, these guys just burned twenty five minutes or whatever it was, because I think it was one twenty eight when you guys first went on the track. And I'm like, yep. man, man, like they're going to run out of time, like. I just, yep. it took me right back to racing the pro class and kind of, you know, with just me and dad, like doing our own program. And it was like, mm-hmm. man, like, I don't think it would have got done. No. And, uh, Jeffrey only did, uh, I believe three laps in the qualifier, uh-huh. uh, might've been four, three or four, uh, either way. Okay. Uh, and then he pulled off because yeah. we knew like we were short on time. So he put in, uh, like a fast lap and he, or, you know, a good lap. He was fifth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he comes by the next time and he slows down and he looks over and sees that it's fifth. And he's like, okay, well then he puts in another lap and it was faster after he slowed down and looked at us. I don't know what he did, you know, but it was a faster <laughs> lap It moved okay. to fourth. Uh, and so then he pulled off, which, you know, then I booked it back to get going and getting the bike ready for, for the first heat. Right. And uh, I got a little bit of tidbit information that we'll touch on at the end of uh, all of this to make this, win even a little bit more sweeter from a mechanic standpoint but uh okay yeah the the mud nobody can underestimate the amount of time like how short an hour and a half or two hours feels between motos oh like, my gosh it is literally 20 minutes by the time everything's said and done hey thankfully for the motos themselves or at least after that first moto going into the second moto he got a good start because some of those quads that that were at the back of the pack like, oh. I don't, I don't know how they ever came clean. They're probably still not clean. So no. um, thankfully he got two good starts and made that part of the job a little easier. Yeah. That was actually uh, one of the things that I think strategy wise benefited us greatly is in both motos, we chose not to take the site lab. Um, oh, good call. So, yeah. Good yeah. call. I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe basically everyone was taking it to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know why they did actually what triggered it is Bryce goes, uh, I'm going to take the site lap. And I heard him say that. And so I walked up to Jeffrey. I'm like, we don't like, we don't have to take it. Right. Like, I'm just like, I'm comp- like, we don't have to. And he goes, mm-hmm. no. And he goes, I'm like, you're not going to take it. Right. And he goes, well, and he kind of looks around everyone starts taking off and then Chad and Joel stuck back. And then he goes, I'm not going to take it either. I'm like, good. I'm like, why be, you know, mm-hmm. 20 pounds heavier than everyone else. And I think exactly. that gave, Gave everyone who stayed back definitely an edge to get out there. I think uh, that was a that was a game made a big difference, let's say I, the least. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I couldn't believe that anybody was taking it at first when I'm seeing this. Uh, I couldn't believe it, so I'm glad um, I'm glad that you guys did that. Obviously, like I think you saw that. I mean, basically, like the guys that skipped it were at the at the front of the pack there. So I think that that was a big part of that. So and and you, uh, I think we we touched on this a little bit maybe before we hit record on this, but you're doing you guys are doing all the bike stuff right like you're taking the bike back home doing all the prep work in between in between races and such so um a lot a lot of work dj a lot of work goes into that i'm actually i'm not i have not been bringing the bike oh so we oh yeah so we we've been doing a lot of the prep work on friday uh so uh jeffrey gets the bike you know basically cleaned up and ready to go and for the most part you know everything's the stuff that we need to go through, we know what it's going to be and, and we prepare for it. We either bring it or, you know, like this last uh, uh, round, um, we actually pulled the motor. I was there a little bit late on Friday. So Jeffrey ended up putting the motor in. Um, okay. And then, you know, I, I did the like final button up and everything like that as, as you know, to go. But um, 
yeah, it was kind of weird at the beginning of the year. We, we talked about like how it was all going to work and I wasn't for sure, like these further rounds away, um, if it like made sense for me to take it back. So okay. uh, probably after Pennsylvania, uh, I'll probably start, you know, I might start taking the bike back with me. Um, but when they were really far away, it was like, it, just cost wise, it didn't make sense for me to, to do it, you know? So gotcha. Um, gotcha. We'll see. It gotcha. Okay. Well that, that at least lightens the load for you a little bit yeah. in between races, even though it might be crazy on Fridays at the races, uh, heading into the race weekend, at least it's a little, little, uh, less hectic in between races, at least for you guys. But yeah, like I said, a, a ton of work. And, and again, I just think it's so damn cool. Two old competitors get together to make this happen. And it wasn't that long ago, DJ, that it seemed like a foregone conclusion that we were never going to see this version of Jeffrey again, yet here we mm. are, he's hauling the mail he's having fun um man it's, it's like we just hit the rewind and this is you know five six years ago again where he's really thriving it's amazing i didn't think that we were going to see this especially when i started to hear he was going to go out on his own i i feel like you know before i knew you were in the picture like i had i had some doubts not not because of jeffrey just knowing how hard it is to put a program together yeah. And man, what just a perfect marriage that this has been, obviously, like I said, and like you said, I think too, the results speak for the, themselves so far. And it's been, it's been awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the, the biggest thing that we, uh, like we touched on before is the trust portion in all of this. And, and I wanted to, uh, you know, talk about that a little bit and uh, as a mechanic side of it. So Jeffrey put it on the podium this weekend with like a little bit extra something uh, that made it even more difficult. So he we come off the track okay. and uh, uh, he goes, he goes, oh, my carrier's blown on this thing. And I was like, no way. And we start, you know, like we put a brand new carrier in before that, that round. Uh, he goes, well, the axle must be bent. So I'm like, no, it's not, you know, that looks okay. And uh, we looked down and literally he was running with three lug nuts. So oh we my torqued, gosh. yeah, we torqued the lug nuts for before every race mm -hmm. or, you know, like literally yeah. before each, each yep. main and heat and everything else. Yep. So I know for a fact they were tight without question. Okay. Uh, it was actually the first thing I did. And, uh, I have no idea. Maybe the bigs, uh, put a little bit more stress on them. I don't know if the, the wheels were a little bit like the holes were a little elongated or something. I mean, it wasn't like they're a brand new set of wheels. It, it, either way i don't know what happened or how it how it did but yeah he had literally three lug nuts left on his bike oh my and gosh. uh pulled off a podium and that uh that was the tidbit that i wanted to say that probably a whole lot of people won't know until <laughs> they hear this uh that that that's what happened so yeah. it was wild and uh you know like like i said to jeffrey this past week you know i think the biggest thing that i uh enjoy most out of all of this is that you trust me you know like <laughs> that you know that when the bike goes to the line that it is ready to go and he does 100 he knew that uh obviously i i would never send him out there with a loose wheel and and something had to have happened and uh that's the level of, of trust and and uh relationship that him and i have and that you have to have to have a, a successful program uh 
is a mechanic like that. Oh, for sure. You know? I mean, that, that connection, um, exactly. You have to have that trust. And I think that that trust allows a rider to go a little faster, right? Like it's, you know, maybe for you or I, like it's, you know, your own last check is, is what kind of, it gives you that peace of mind. And for, you know, a pro rider, a lot of times it's a good mechanic and that's obviously what you've proven to be so far, but man, that, what a crazy story to think that it came maybe that close to, to, oh. to things going sideways or whatever, but, uh, so glad it didn't. So, so Jeffrey gets out of there another podium two on the year so far, which is amazing. Uh, he's fourth in points, just six points out of third. And we kind of touched on that before, but if he can stay consistent, man, that top three in points looks very doable right now. It's right in front of him. And, um, especially with the weather and track conditions and everything that these guys have seen so far to have everything in front of you, right in front of you, a couple races into the season after, after, you know, some of the, the hurdles so far, man, that's a, just a great position to be in for, for Jeffrey and for you guys as a whole. Yeah, I think uh, we're extremely, as the season goes on now too, again, we get closer to home. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have yeah. a little bit more help with us at the, at the races and stuff. And it takes a whole team, you know, uh, Jeffrey, big Jeff's dad helps. Uh, I'm definitely not the only one that's, that's behind all of this. You know, it's Jeffrey, Jeffrey helped change the clutches before the second heat. Uh, you know, when he's, when he says he is running his program, he is running his program and uh, he is doing everything possible to, to make it successful. And the people, not only myself, but, you know, just the fans and, and uh, other riders that are helping support him. Uh, it's huge. And, and he appreciates it more than anyone. I mean, he really does. And I think that's what's, you know, given me more uh, excitement to go each and every week is to see like how much he appreciates it and how hard he's working, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to bring you on for a chat like this for a while because we heard from Jeffrey, um, you know, kind of putting his whole thing together. But I wanted to hear about all this from your perspective. I knew that you were going to be passionate about it. I knew that you were going to be pumped up to be a part of this and talk about it too. So uh, I can't thank you enough. I just wanted to hear, wanted to hear, you know, like how invested yeah. you are, knowing how invested you are. I just wanted to hear all about it. And I knew you being at the races, I saw seeing the pictures of you and Jeffrey at the line together. Um, I don't know. It just, it just seems so cool to me. I, I needed to hear about it. So I can't thank you enough for jumping on here with us. I appreciate your time so much. And um, obviously I take this opportunity to thank you for all you do for me personally, all you do for the ATV community as a whole, man, you guys continue to slay it at Rocket Machining and Design. So um, again, like just so stoked to be here with you, pal. I appreciate it, Cody. And, you know, again, thank you all the riders that continue to support us and, and work with us as a company. Um, I can't thank you enough for everything and uh, making this possible from, from our side of it too. So if there's anything anyone needs or has any questions, please reach out. You know, myself and Jake is someone that a lot of people talk to. Uh, we are always here to talk and, and talk racing. So I've said that before and, and I'll continue to say it. So I appreciate it, Cody, again. And, uh, Again, love to talk whenever, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, pal, for everything. Thanks for doing this. I look forward to, to doing this again soon. And yeah, touching on rocket machining and design stuff, you guys got the market corners. So just, just keep yeah. doing your thing. I appreciate it, Cody. Take it easy. Thanks so much, pal. Great, uh, great job there in, in Georgia. We uh, so stoked, so freaking stoked to see all the success you guys are having. So thanks. As a, as a fan and a friend of Jeffrey's, thank you for all that you're doing for him too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you soon at the races, man. Yes, sir. That's owner of Rocket Machining and Design, DJ Sperling, right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast brought to you by Manscaped. Thank you, sir. 
As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mills, president of DP Breaks North America and proud partner of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. We at DP Breaks are a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology, dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. This year's lineup includes Jeff Rastrelli, Mark Baldwin and Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, and many more, including Mr. Digging Deep himself, Cody Jansen, plus all the top 17 GNCC pros such as seven-time champion Walker Fowler, Bryce O'Neill, Hunter Hart, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and previous champion Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on top of the podium week after week. DP Brakes are available through www.dp-brakes.com or you can purchase them through your local parts and limited stocking dealer or you can even message us, myself, Larry Mills or DP Brakes on Instagram or Facebook and if you have any questions about product or sponsorship support, please ask us. We are waiting for you. Join the best ATV riders in the world equipped with DP Brakes and have a great year everyone. Nearing two decades into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back and better than ever, continuing to make major waves in the ATV world. For the third consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for two-time champ Joel Hetrick. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of industry-leading products available for all makes and models. Head over to factory43atv.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, 
the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. All right, back here with Casey Greek and Josh Klein on Digging Deep ATMX podcast. And Josh, uh, last year I kept calling it a renaissance year for Jeffrey Rastrelli, and, and that was true. Um, but this year might be the best version of Jeffrey we've ever seen. I'm starting to think that this might be the best ever that we've seen for Jeffrey. And five years ago, he was a guy that could be on the podium almost every weekend or every other weekend. It seemed like him and Thomas Brown went back and forth, but man, like he's just, he's been impressive this year. And I touched on this in a post on digging deep social channels, but last year at Aonia pass, it was like, Jeffrey was, you know, it was like, finally monkey off my back. Two years has gone by and I'm finally getting on the podium for the first time in those last two calendar years. And this year, man, like, He's very much expected. That's where he expects to be. And he looks the part of a rider that expects to be on the podium every time we've seen him hit the track so far in 2022. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here, and you know me for doing this. Jeffrey, Jeffrey takes the two spot at High Point. Oh, he sweet. has a history. He has a history there. You go back to 2018, he went 3-3 for a third place. Joel went two one for a one. Chad went one two for a two. Hey, and Jeffrey Brown, Jeffrey almost won that first moto there. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say he's gonna take the two spot. He's gonna go right behind Joel. Joel has a good history there. He went one one last year. Chad went two two. But hey, the this machine... is hey, this this is why you're always so good on the podcast, Josh, because you always <laughs> come with these hot takes every time. Somebody has to. Somebody's got to do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's got a great team behind him this year. You know, he's got DJ and then Rocket, all them, you know, supporting him. And his machine looks phenomenal. Just he looks so smooth and relaxed on the bike and having fun, you know, goofing around with the rest of the guys. Jeffrey is being Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey knows where he belongs. Jeffrey is strong. He's there. I, I, he's, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he is going to lay up. He is going to keep racing hard, having fun doing what Jeffrey does. Jeffrey Ristrelli, number two position overall high point this year. Yeah. yeah you know, it, it very well could happen. Um, yes, you're exactly right. He's been really good there in the past. He almost won that first moto there at high point. I think that for his, for his whole career, that's the one that feels like it got away for him. And yeah, like credit to credit to DJ and everybody in that program there. Uh, we just heard from DJ um, credit to him because he's, single-handedly knew what Jeffrey needed and has helped create a environment for Jeffrey to thrive. Um, I think that it's the perfect marriage. That's why I wanted to get DJ on to talk about it. And uh, yeah, so, so another, another awesome podium performance for Jeffrey. Uh, okay. So we went over the pro class podium. Um, I do want to tie up moto two yet, just the, some stragglers that we haven't totally tied up yet. So Bryce Ford, he finishes third in that one, uh, four, three earned him fourth overall smart veteran like ride for Bryce in tough conditions, Casey. And this is something that we touched on a little bit already, but he just continues to look like a smart seasoned veteran at this point and weekend after weekend, he's kind of proving that to us. Oh, looks like we lost Casey Greek, actually, so it'll just be Josh and I the rest of the way. No big deal. 
um, you know, with Bryce, like he's made all the improvements and all the, the, the aspects of growth that he's shown us has been exactly what I wanted to see from him um, in year three of his professional career. And now at this point, man, like he looks like a guy who is, I mean, we've, we've had high hopes. We've had high expectations. We've, you know, speculated on what, you know, when he's going to be up there at the mix at the front of the pack and stuff. But what we've seen this year, proves to me that he's going to be able to sustain this. Like that's how it looks to me. He looks like a guy that's going to be able to do this long-term and that's what I wanted to see from Bryce. So I want to move on here because I don't want to take up too much of your time. So the last two things I want to touch on um, specific to Moto2, one of which is a guy that we already heard from Brandon Hogue racing up through poor conditions to finish fifth. in that second moto was really impressive. And Josh, I also want to um, let you touch on, I want to tell you, like I was massively impressed with Zach Decker who ran top five for the majority of that second moto. And he ended up earning sixth eventually in that uh, moto two there. And I was really impressed by him as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, the frustration of being, you know, stuck in the mud moto one, um, to coming out and he's having a phenomenal year rookie season you really know I is. mean yeah but you see yeah. it. he's showing us glimpses yeah right and you know it absolutely you know had the had we seen good weather and us you know a stronger showing from the entire field I wouldn't have put it past Zach to be top five mm-hmm. yeah he uh him and Max last year or two years ago, um, remember what, yeah, two years ago, I think it was, they battled at Aonia yeah. and it 20, was a phenomenal race. I think that got, yeah. Yep. yep. Cause that got hurt, I believe shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is fast at that track and in the mud, he proved he, how fast he is, but how much faster would he be under the good conditions of that track? I think it would be a phenomenal race. Um, but to him, to his credit, he he did what he had to in the second moto and, and finished off where I think, you know, he belongs top 10. I don't, I don't put it in any other caliber anywhere else. Zach Decker will take rookie of the year. Oh yeah. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. He's been, he's been on a tear. Um, and this is, so this is typical, like with him, uh, he's been really impressive. Like you said, it's been a really impressive season for him so far. We saw him sixth at Daytona. Like he showed us glimpses of being, of being really, really solid this season. Um, so let's kind of finish this whole, this whole pro class thing. So, uh, as is typical with mud races, um, if you're not at the start ish, the, the, if you're not at the front ish of the pack, just turns into survival. We kind of went over that already talking about the first moto. Um, so let's go over the overall finishes. So, so Hetrick, Weenan, Rastrelli was your podium, of course. Bryce Ford and Brandon Hogue impressively finished out the top five. Um, another great day in the mud for Michael Allred. He was, he was sixth overall. We kind of touched on him a little bit. Uh, Nick Janusa, Brought home seventh overall in the day, five eight scores, um, five eight moto finishes for for Nick Janusa there, and then another impressive day for Cody Ford, eighth overall, seven twelve scores. So he was you know obviously hindered a little bit by that get off in the first moto, and then obviously not getting the start he wanted in the second moto. He still salvaged eighth overall on the day. Uh, he's had a really strong season so far. And- 
Yeah, he killed it, man. He killed it. Uh, comes away with another solid. Man, it's been a good start to the season for him. And I'm even seeing some people talking about it online on um, in the comment sections of some of our posts and stuff, talking about how good of a season he had. So that makes me happy. He's a guy that I pull for too. So uh, good, solid ride for Cody Ford there, eighth overall. Yeah, hey, that tier three is tough there with uh, Zach Decker. Michael Allred, I had this weekend because it was muddy. I'm going to pick him every time it's muddy. He, he doesn't do me wrong. Cody has obviously been really shining. And then Logan has always been my staple pick there. And yeah, like it's been really competitive. It's been fun to watch. So um, yeah, it's awesome. It, it's so competitive and uh, class is not predictable right now, which is so fun for us as fans. And um, what I was going to ask there is, does anybody know about this guy? Cottrell Altamirano, ninth overall, uh, really, really impressive. He wasn't even racing the pro class at the beginning of the year. Um, what a day for, for the Argentinian. Does anybody know him or or about his program he killed it i was in uh at tech when they come rolling through and i kind of was scratching my head because i could have sworn i saw him run run pro-am too and then i was like okay i'm like well he's getting his seat time in you know i give him credit for that and he he did he i think he made his presence known and i think people are going to start looking around and be like okay you know um yeah he looks strong he he's looks like a strong rider so, I mean, I can't, can't say he's not going to be in the fight. We're just going to have to see as the year goes, you know, if, if he has, you know, a certain style that he, he prefers more than others and we'll just be along for that ride. Cause yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily think of a, an Argentinian as being a good mud rider, but man, like he, right. he put it together, both motors, he killed it. So, so ninth overall for him was really impressive. And then uh, Zach Decker rounded out the top 10, followed by, and this is a list of stacked, really good guys that obviously just had some really tough luck in the mud. Um, outside of the top 10 was Logan Stanfield, 11th, followed by Wesley Wolf, Max Linquist, Cesar Jimenez, Patrick Torini, Vince Merman, and Marshall Smith rounded out the overall field there but that wasn't like the original finishes that were posted i actually had to switch up some of my posts because things changed so originally there were multiple riders with dqs next to their names but eventually it looked like you know they righted that wrong and threw out those disqualifications um i obviously when i saw those dqs i obviously knew what that meant i knew what was going on that some people had gotten outside assistance and i was hoping that it was going to be fixed uh, because yeah, like the conditions were so tough. You got off that main line, you got, you know, in the, you know, in or out of the mechanics area or off the track or wherever, and you get stuck. Like, I was just glad that that got fixed and, and yeah, like how much it means to those guys. It means a ton to fantasy stuff too. Like at first we calculated the, the, the fantasy stuff and with those zeros loom large. And, uh, and then when they updated the points, we updated the game as well. And, um, it didn't affect the winner, but it affected a lot of people in the middle of the pack. Like I went from finishing 38th to finishing 70 something. So that meant that many people moved up because, you know, Zach Decker scored them six more points or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that that was fixed. And most of all, I joked with the fantasy game, but it was legit. But also, uh, most of all, for those guys that it was fixed is a big thing. So after the, the mud settled, Hetrick leaves Georgia with the 21-point advantage over Whedon, uh, followed by Bryce Ford, who is another three back. Six more back is Rastrelli in fourth, and Hogue rounds out the top five in points. Let's toss it to one last break, and then we'll come back quickly to cover the amateurs and look ahead to High Point. Stay with us. Insurance. It's not something everyone likes to talk about. But let's face it. If you race motocross, it's something you should have. 
Integrative Financial Concepts is an independent financial service and insurance firm who offers moto-friendly insurance and helps out riders like Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Joel Hetrick gain confidence on the track. With their unique safe to race and safe to ride programs, if you qualify, they have the ability to offer life insurance with living benefits to those who ride. With these living benefits, you may have the ability to access a portion of your life insurance policy while you're still living for things like cancer, heart attack, stroke, or chronic illness. They can also help with many other things such as home, auto, motorhome, and trailer insurance, as well as college planning, special needs planning, payroll processing, as well as group health benefits for your business. So whether something happens on or off the track, Integrated Financial Concepts has you covered. With their complimentary one-on-one -on -one appointments, what are you waiting for? Reach out to Mike Daniele at D-A-N-I-E-L-E -E underscore Michael at nlgroupmail.com today and see how Integrated Financial Concepts can help you. Living benefit riders are supplemental benefits that can be added to a life insurance policy and are not suitable unless you have the need for life insurance. Riders are optional and may require additional premium and may not be available in all states or on all products. This is not a solicitation for any specific insurance policy. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to laundervillesteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Here at Digging Deep, we have an obvious passion for ATVs and pridefully enjoy sharing the sport's history. Since 2019, when the podcast was born, we've been working to partner with individuals who share our passion, but one man and his vision had been missing from our partnership group. Until now. When it comes to the sport's history, the hallowed grounds of Binky's Forever ATC Museum has it all. Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three- and four-wheelers has preserved history by spanning all makes and models from Honda three-wheelers in chronological order to unique builds that shaped ATV racing as we know it, like Doug Gust's iconic DRZ-powered hybrid thumper and everything in between. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we certainly relate to here at Digging Deep. Binky's goal is to share his amazing collection with fellow enthusiasts by making his prized possessions accessible to the public via scheduled visits. Follow Forever ATC Museum on Facebook and watch foreveratc.com for further updates on possibly getting a chance to see Binky's Forever ATC Museum for yourself. We are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. We recite on every Digging Deep episode that we are all about aligning with others who share our passion and love for ATVs. And that's exactly what Blenzall is. For more than 60 years, Blenzall Racing Oil has been the secret choice of many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From world championship kart racing in Europe, to California speedway racing, or the mud and rocks of East Coast cross-country racing, thousands of hardcore racers know that nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzall. Even with Blenzall's wide reach into all forms of racing, 
Blenzol's lead man, David Schloss, admits that ATV riders are his people. In fact, he's been an ATV enthusiast since 1986 when he first threw a leg over a Suzuki Quad Sport 230. Fun fact, his passion for ATV racing even led him to launch a popular ATV racing magazine in the mid-2000s called ATV Insider. So Blenzol is a small family-owned business that blends and bottles all of its products in Ohio and has ATV roots? Sign us up. That's why Blenzol is the oil choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. To learn more about Blenzol's rich heritage or to shop Blenzol's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzol.com and follow them at Blenzol on Instagram. Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you need not worry about harming your engine or suffering a premature end to your ride no matter what the conditions. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, and other power sports equipment, when conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track or trail. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout to save at EvansCoolant.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, back here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And guys, Pro-Am might have been the craziest racing of the weekend. Uh, They raced Sunday on a dry track, but that didn't stop it from being absolutely wild. So Joseph Chambers led every lap of Moto1 and was in position to sweep both motos as he led early in Moto2 as well. But then a miscue left him scrambling just to salvage a podium spot. Uh, What did you see from Joe Chambers in Georgia? Josh, tell us what you saw uh, from Joe Chambers there, Josh, because he was flying. Um, it looked like in, in the Pro-Am motors there, he was cooking and man, he was impressive. So tell us what you saw from Joseph Chambers. Chambers looks phenomenal. Uh, he he went out, he handled it and he's got a unique style. You can pick him out out of, you know, everybody riding. The lanky look, the way he goes over the jumps. The way he sucks the jumps up is what makes it look yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's almost like he's doing a, a reverse chin up, like his arms coming up, yeah. pulling the quad up and, yep. you know, he lands smooth and on the, on the downside, he's, he's on the gas and trying to extend at every point he can, um, you know, and a second moto, he took a nasty digger. He went down and uh, hurt himself. He came off the quad and at the podium and was absolutely just hunched over, limping, jabbed himself good with the bars. Um, he, just like Cody, uh, Cody Ford, after his get off, I, I haven't looked at lap times. I'd love to see him because he was absolutely flying around that track and, you know, came out with a podium at the end of the day. Um, he's definitely established his spot and doing his thing. Um, yeah, that. That, that was a good podium. Um, unfortunate for Blair. Um, last lap, checkers in sight. He's one of my sponsor riders. So, you know, he, he came around the track, um, white flag lap, and he looked at me. And it, Blair does this on occasion. He'll just shake his head. And I'm thinking, what is he shaking his head for? I don't know if it was cutting out. Mm-hmm. you know, prior to, or he knew something was coming. So he comes around and I'm like, bro, don't do not do this. Like what is going on? So I don't know. So all of a sudden I look and the, the famous Aonia, I guess I'll say cheerleader flagger is in the back corner and he is arm pumping these guys around the track. And all of a sudden I see this little white helmet go up the inside roller 
and roll back down. And I went, no way. It's Blair. And Dane Molander goes around. I mean, and Blair had a, had a good lead. And Dane comes around. And, you know, it it is what it is. I'm glad it wasn't a motor issue. But uh, you can bet that there's going to be some things that happen with – we know uh, Blair's setup's a little different. But I have a feeling – this won't happen again. Right. I mean, it was obviously looking like it was Blair's for the taking there. He was on last week's show. Awesome guest and, and a guy I know that both of you guys pull for. Um, so he was third in Moto One. He inherits the Moto Two lead from Joseph Chambers there. And yes, like you said, credit to Joseph Chambers. He was in scramble mode to just get on the podium. Then after he picks himself up off the deck, he, he was flying. Um, but yeah, it looks like Blair it looked like it was Blair's race for the taking. And then he runs out of gas. Obviously like people think it's a motor problem or whatever. He runs out of gas. I'm thinking, how does that happen? Blair rode a killer race. You know, Blair rode a killer race just to, to, to run out of gas, to have his machine run out of gas that close to the finish line with a pro-am, you know, overall win in the bag, a moto win in the bag to, to run out of, you know, gas with the, the finish line in sight is just such a tough thing to process. It's hard to, hard to wrap your head around that. So obviously a tough break for him. So uh, he only led one lap on the day, but it just so happened to be the most important one. Dane Molander grabs the lead on the final lap of moto two to win the pro-am overall, the first pro-am overall win of his career. Uh, amazing, amazing performance for, for Molander too, for Dane there, uh, man, like, Man, the, the action in Pro-Am in general uh, was incredible. It was hard to just follow. Like, that's why I posted about it. It was hard to follow all the swings and ups and downs. And, you know, at one point, one guy's going to win the overall, and then another guy's going to win the overall, and then a third guy ends up winning it. So uh, just crazy and, and, and try to um, keep tabs on all of that was, was a tough thing to do during the motos there. So uh, the Pro-Am podium Ended up being made up of winner Dane Molander, followed by Joseph Chambers second. Really, really, really impressive ride back to second overall for him. And then Aaron Salinas uh, finished out the podium in third. Uh, let's quickly kind of just wrap up the rest of our, our notable amateur racing here. So Brett Musig kept his streak alive in the mud on Saturday in pro sport. He won his third consecutive overall ahead of Blair Miller and JJ Launderville, who joined him on the podium. Uh, credit to JJ Launderville for grabbing his first pro sport podium. We knew that was inevitable. I think that we all saw that coming eventually. WMX was crazy in the mud on Saturday as well, featuring multiple huge changes on the last lap of Moto2 that resulted in Ellie Rausch getting the win, followed by Neve Shaw and Kinsey Osborne, who rounded out the podium there. So rarely, especially at a national event, does somebody come out and, and win something completely unexpected. And the, like, that's always so special to me. So for, for Ellie Roush to grab that win in WMX was huge. Um, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the craziness and the, and the unpredictability and how good, I guess, the WMX racing has been so far this season uh, kind of continues. So um, Josh, what about you? Do you have uh, anybody that you want to uh, touch on to complete our amateur coverage? Josh, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to, to piggyback on that, with Ellie, it was kind of comical because they come off the track for the podium and Kinsey comes over to her and goes, hey, she goes, how'd you do? How'd you finish? And she looks at her, she goes, I think I got first overall. And the two of them started hugging, jumping, and it was who was in front of you. You could, you know, that type of deal. But for to see, you know, competitors excited and happy for each other like that, that was that was pretty cool to see. And 
you know, un- unfortunate for Andrea, she's not on the podium. You know, she didn't didn't exactly show, you know, her hundred percent in the mud, but she came back on Sunday, and it was fun to watch. Just a bunch of awesome racing, awesome overall. But uh, I continue to be super pumped about giving the WMX class its its deserved coverage here on Digging Deep. I enjoy that, and there was just awesome, awesome racing across the board in the amateur classes. Obviously, some of them, majority of the classes, only ended up being a one moto format mat on Sunday. But hopefully, we get to high point, everything gets back to normal. So uh, let's finish up then by looking forward to high point. Uh, this is a place where traditionally Joel Hattrick has dominated. Um, I truly think that when we get there, he's going to turn it into four in a row to kick off the 2022 season, which would set a record six consecutive overalls dating back to last season. Um, So that, you know, obviously couldn't be a better spot for the series to go if you're Joel Hetrick and then to be followed up by Ironman too. Like that's probably the perfect recipe for a continued hot start for Joel Hetrick here. Um, But Josh, we already kind of touched on what you expect from high point. The fact that, you know, you expect big things out of Jeffrey possibly finishing runner up and stuff. Uh, So we probably don't even need to talk about expectations there. Uh, As far as high point goes, one last question I will propose to you, Josh, and this is a perfect one for you with what you bring to the show. Um, But the question that really maybe matters most when we look towards high point is what graphics scheme does Joel Hattrick and the Phoenix team have in mind for high point? In my mind, I think it has to come down to either a Steelers, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, themed quad or or possibly a West Virginia Mountaineers that would be my bet West Virginia Mountaineers would be would be my bet no I totally agree because I don't see the black and gold I don't see that working well with with the quad and I just yeah I'll go with Mountaineers on that one well I I do think as a as a as a track there at, at high point is obviously um just outside of of the West Virginia Mountaineers campus there in Morgantown I feel like that is probably the the perfect scheme there that would be my best guess um but yeah I think uh I think that that's something that's been fun to kind of speculate going into these races I think that that's something that we're going to need to touch on week after week on these shows it's kind of fun to think about what the the Phoenix team is going to roll out but guys um I appreciate your time so much obviously we spent a bunch digging into all this stuff here. This took longer than I anticipated it. I think that that happens every time. Uh, but with that, that's a wrap. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks for all your help with the, the photos and keeping me in the loop of stuff going on at the races. And I look forward to doing this, you know, more going forward. I just can't thank you enough for all of your time. Hey, thanks, Cody. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's always fun to, to come in and chat and uh, throw some wild cards in there. And I'll, I'll be back again sometime whenever uh, we can figure something out. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it so much and uh, all your time. I know this is a big time commitment uh, for for everybody involved for you, but I appreciate you making yourself available. And uh, with that, we're out of here. All right. Sorry about the technical difficulties with Casey Greek there, but nonetheless, we're grateful for all his efforts here at Digging Deep. And major thanks to all of tonight's guests, Brandon Hogue, DJ Sperling, Josh Klein, and Casey Greek. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. I want to thank the Four Brothers Racing family for all their help in keeping me in the loop at these races that I can't attend. And Josh Klein as well. He was on this episode. Josh Klein of PH3 Photos. He's been helping me a bunch at the races as well. So thanks to both of those groups for all their help and helping us come up with better content here at Digging Deep. 
And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. A major shout-out and a thank you is deserved to Michelle Stillo at Rated MX for all their live video coverage of the ATV Motocross Nationals on the Rated MX Facebook page. Michelle, you rock. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the sport. I don't know what we would do without you. And thanks to our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to our partners, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. SSI decals, DID racing chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymauer Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrative Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Blenzol Oil, the official oil choice of Digging Deep, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website and be sure to click those Rocky Mountain ATVMC and Amazon banners for all your gear and parts needs, everyday needs, and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise is available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out. We have new stuff coming and we have a new addition to our merchandise on the website. So check that out as well today. And if you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Give us a call using our voicemail line. Give us your reaction to the show, the races, and just about everything in between so we can play them on the show and react to what you have to say. That number is 920-569-3519. We want to hear from you, so give us a call. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more fun stuff here in the 2022 season. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy has me all fired up, continuing to be all fired up, and it's not too late for you to get in on all the prizes, the bragging rights, and all the fun. So if you haven't done so yet, head over to atvfantasy.com to sign up now, and shout out to our winners the last two weeks, Ayrton Knowles, all the way from across the in the UK and Jimmy Breakbill. Give me your secrets, guys. I need them. I need them. We're getting smoked in ATV Fantasy this year. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Brandon Hogue, DJ Sperling, Josh Klein, Casey Greek, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to and making us the number one podcast in ATV Racing with over 151,000 downloads last month in 87 total countries. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking nice.